Thank you for listening to BLC Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Thank you so much. It's not always I get a standing ovation before I speak, so I think I must come back to this church, you know? And uh, maybe we should uh, record that moment and then send it to our church, Every Nation Rosebank, and say, guys, this is how you welcome people who are about to preach the Word of God. What a joy, what a joy it is to be here to share the Word with you. Uh, last year, my wife and I, we were on sabbatical. So while we were on sabbatical, I got to a visit here. I sat at the back there. I thought I was hiding. Uh, John noticed that I was here. Lo and behold, I'm back here preaching now. <laughs> so, uh, but it's amazing to be part of this uh, family and part of what God is doing uh, in our nation today. And uh, what I'm going to be talking about, I pray and believe that it's also going to just build hope to what God is doing uh, in our nation. I've got a picture of my family over there. Um, uh, my wife is here. It's already been mentioned. Tomorrow we celebrate our 19th year anniversary. Awesome. I like to say it is by God's grace that I'm still married and married to one wife. God is good. And it's going to stay that way. Um, our kids couldn't be here this morning. Our son is serving at our congregation back at home. And uh, the girls, they've got a party straight after church this morning. So uh, our, our eldest, Omulemo, he just turned 16. Uh, we have two teenagers in the house, so you can pray for us. Uh, Zinzi also turned uh, 13 this year. Uh, we're loving, loving raising our kids. Our youngest, Rory, uh, she is full of life. She's full of passion. And I'm convinced she didn't get that from me. She got that from her mother. So this is our family. This is who we are. This is what God has uh, privileged us to be doing in this season, not only leading a church, but raising uh, kids. So what a joy it is to be with you today. Just last weekend, we were ministering uh, in Cape Town. We had a wedding down there, ministered at Every Nation Church in Cape Town. And everywhere I go, I get to show the picture of my family because it's not always that I'm with them. So you guys are really blessed that my wife is here so you can truly believe that I'm married. Because some people, they see their picture, they say, but we've never met your wife. So she's here. You can speak to her after the service. What we will be talking about today is a city on a hill. That's our topic today. I'm going to press here. Tell me if it's uh, functioning. If it's not, you'll have to run it from the back. Uh, can I try again? One more time. Okay, you check it for me. So the topic I've chosen, you would be familiar with the scripture. Uh, okay. Are we, are we good now? There you go. Awesome. Lovely. The topic that we've chosen, a city on a hill, you'll be very familiar with um, the scripture in Matthew 5, we're going to get to it just now, that speaks about the church of Jesus Christ being like the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. But I want to start by saying, uh, when we look at the current state of the world, it can be depressing, and the question we ask ourselves is, what is going on? And when is it going to end? And we ask ourselves, where is God in the midst of it all? 
We look at what is happening in our country. We look at what is happening in Africa and the rest of the world. There's just this commotion like uh, uh, evil is becoming more and more evil. Darkness is becoming more and more dark. But I'm here to announce to you that even in the midst of evil, the light of Jesus Christ shines. The light of Jesus Christ shines. I'm always encouraged, and I encourage myself with this very powerful statement from Billy Graham. He coined this statement. He says, I have read the last page of the Bible. It's all going to turn all right. I've read the last page of the book. It's all going to turn all right. Someone even wrote a song about this, that I have read the last book of the Bible. We win. Don't worry about the grammar. What is important is that I have read the last book of the Bible. In the end, we win. No matter what is happening, in the end, the church of Jesus Christ is going to win. So it is my prayer today, just even as we started praying before the service this week, as I've been praying for this time, I'm trusting God that there'll be an impartation of understanding that no matter what is happening, in the end, we win. It's like a soccer game when you know that you're already going to win. It's like the Rugby World Cup knowing that we are going to lift that trophy. Didn't it feel good? I said it, it uplifted the soul of the nation. God knew that we needed that. So I'm saying the same about the church of Jesus Christ, that despite what is happening in the world today, we know that our Lord has overcome. Our Lord has overcome. The Bible says in this world you'll have many troubles. But remember, I have overcome. So God is at work. He's got this master plan, a redemption plan, right from the beginning, book of Genesis to Revelation. This plan is unraveling. It is coming out. And uh, I want you to just ponder on that a little bit. Ponder on the fact that in the end we win. Ponder on that, that I don't care the state of My country today, and I like the fact that you guys pray for the country every Sunday. We're going to steal that. We're going to use that back home where I come from. Once a month, we pray for the nation. So now, like, the nation needs us. We better be praying for the nation. So thank you that we can uh, share um, ideas together. We do the same offering declaration that you do here. We're actually one family. You realize that. We are one family. We are one family. So... uh, I want to read Isaiah chapter 2. I'm reading from verse 1 to verse 5. And um, I know that we're recording. I want to say while you're opening there, it is such a joy and honor uh, to be invited to preach here. And John and Lisa, we've been building a relationship with them. Such great couples, such great leaders. And we're getting to know Daryl. We've watched the documentary, and it really wrecked us. We watched it with our kids, and uh, now we're preparing to go on holiday. We want to watch it again just to say, hey, we're ready to be on the coast and sharing the gospel. So this is what we are reading today. It's a prophecy because we know the power of prophecy. I'm reading Isaiah 2, verse 1 to 5. The word that came to Isaiah, son of Amos, that he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass that in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. 
And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This verses that we have read, it's a prophetic word by prophet Isaiah foretelling what is to come. And every time I read a prophetic word, I look at a prophetic word with the lenses of understanding when is this prophetic word supposed to happen. You will notice that from where we read, it says, in the latter days, in the latter days. So the latter days, it may speak of the time of Jesus Christ. As we've read in verse 4, it speaks about he shall judge. He will judge dispute between nations, that is Jesus. So it speaks of the messianic era, that this prophecy that we've just read, that it speaks of the time of the coming of Jesus. But when you continue to read, you also realize that it doesn't only speak of the messianic era, it also speaks about what is to happen in the latter, latter days that we read about in Revelation 20 and Revelation 21. And I'll come to that just now. Now, the reason I'm giving you this understanding of the timing of the prophecy is for us to read this prophecy with an understanding that it's speaking about us. So let's uh, unpack this prophecy so that you understand why do I say that it's speaking about us. Do you notice that in the text it says, the mountain and the house of the Lord. It speaks about two things. It is not only speaking about the mountain, it is speaking about the mountain and the house. Don't you ask yourself a question? He could have just said the mountain of the Lord. He could have just said the house of the Lord, but he says the mountain and the house. So when you read scripture, you ask yourself questions, why these words are used like this. So when we look at the mountain and the house, you notice the picture that I put up there. You know, it's a mountain with a beautiful house on top. And uh, this picture reminds me what my two girls like to say to our son. They say to Limo, Limo, you know, one day you're going to be married, have a wife and a house on a hill. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, maybe it's uh, something that uh, people, you know, look forward to. You get married and you have a house on the hill. You look at that house, it's on the mountain, it's on the hill, it looks great. I don't know how they get up there, but it looks great. <laughs> now, if you, if you stay with that picture for a little bit, I'm now going to explain to you why Scripture is saying mountain and house. So Scripture says the house of God, which is the people of God, the temple of God, you read in the New Testament, the Bible says in Genesis 3.19 that we, the children of God, are heirs to Abraham. Those who belong to Christ are heirs to Abraham. We are children of God and heirs to the promise that we're given to Abraham. So when the Bible speaks about the house of God, it speaks about you and I, the church. And also when the Bible now speaks about the mountain, the mountain, it's like a place of governance because it's towering over the city. 
So it means that we, as the church, the children of God, we need to rise up to be above in order to govern, in order to lead, in order to rule. I know that for some of us, we think like, no, 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 leave the politics to the politicians. No, I'm here to say to you, we as the children of God, we meant to rise up and rule. So we need Christians in politics. We need Christians in places of influence. In fact, the word church, if you read it uh, from the Greek, it says ecclesia, which is those who are called out to rule. We may not be ruling out now, but in the spirit we can rule. We take charge in the spirit and we pray that we will see men and women of God get into those positions of influence and influence from within. So when I talk about the church of Jesus Christ rising up to be the house, the mountain, it means that we need to rule and reign. We need to take charge. The mountain and the house of the Lord speaks about God's people. But from the text we've read, it says, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of all the mountains. Meaning that it shall be strong. When we talk about foundations being established, it means it shall be strong. But it doesn't speak about the church being strong. It says it shall be lifted up above the hills. Meaning it shall be visible. So a lot can be said about the imperfections of the body of Christ. A lot can be said about the things that happen in the church today. But I am here to announce to you that the church of Jesus Christ is strong, it's visible, and it's rising up. The church of Jesus Christ, it is strong, it is visible, and it's rising up. Let me just use this example to understand, to, to help us understand why I'm saying the church of Jesus Christ is rising up. I'm sure all of you, you've been to a wedding if you've never been to a wedding, uh, we'll do it the African way. You know, like in Africa, when someone is, is invited, right? You know how it works, right? When my wife and I, we got married, you know, like uh, we had uh, uh, 300 people, just exactly 300 people invited. My dad went and photocopied the invitations. <laughs> and we had more than 300 people. So we had to have this uh, chat with my dad and say, Dad, we had planned for 300 people. I mean, we've stretched it already, like 300 people. And he had to pay for the extra. At our wedding, we had an overflow room. <laughs> the only wedding that I know that had an overflow room. My wife can tell you, because we, we, we had planned for 300 people. But now, this is what happens at the weddings. Do you realize that the wedding will never start until the bride arrives? The wedding will never start until the bride arrives. You know, the, the groom can be there standing, praying in tongues, <laughs> sweating, <laughs> trying all that he can to get the bride to get there so that the wedding can start. So I am here to announce to you that the bride of Jesus Christ is going to show up and South Africa will not be the same again. The bride of Jesus Christ is showing up and South Africa will not be the same again. Testimonies like the, what we just had right now about just a, a, a crime coming down. I believe that when the church of Jesus Christ, when we go on our knees, we'll be, we'll be like that bride showing up and South Africa will not be the same again. That is my belief. That is my faith. When the bride of Jesus Christ arises, we will see the scripture. You, you and I, you are the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let me bring your attention to verse 16. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to God your Father. Now, Every time the word light is mentioned in Scripture, the word glory appears. You can go and do a word study. It's so amazing that it says that when we begin to shine some light as the children of God, we become glory carriers. When we shine the light of Jesus, we become glory carriers. We reveal the glory of God. And I want you to hold the thought about being those who light the light but then we also carry the glory of God. So you look at the scripture, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So what this scripture is saying to us is as a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, it means we, the children of God, when we begin to rise and shine, something is going to happen. Let me share two stories with you that will help you to see when the church of God begin to rise and become what God has called it to be, what, what happens. Early last year, uh, we felt like the enemy was using the issue of the land to bring division in our country. I'm sure you noticed even how politicians were using the issue of the land leading up to the elections to gain people to vote for them. And as a church, we felt like we need to go to Scripture and ask ourselves, what does the Scripture say about the land? If you ever noticed, the Bible has got answers for everything. The Bible has got the answers for everything. So we went to Scripture, and we got a, a few other people in the church who are in the legal world, who are in business, and we had this one day where we had a land think tank, and we searched the Scriptures to say, what does the Bible say about the land? And the issue with the land is this, is yes, first and foremost, the land belongs to God. Amen? Amen. Psalm 24, the land belongs to God, you know. And you read through scripture, he's giving it to men to steward the land. We are just stewards of the land. And then secondly, in the Bible, we read about the principle of restitution and how you restitute the land that was taken from people. It must be done with righteousness. Can I hear amen to that? It must be done righteously. In fact, I speak as one whom my family, we've been given land back through land restitution in Potchefstroom. And what we did is we built a relationship with the farmers that are there. We say, you don't need to go anywhere. We can work together with you. And we have come into an agreement. So we're trying to show that there's a different way of doing this thing. We are working with the farmers that are there. Now, at this land think tank, we came up with a submission that we sent to parliament. Now I'm summarizing the story. We submitted to parliament sometime last year, it was around May, June, and they had received over 700,000 submissions. I don't know if you remember, a lot of people were, were sending submissions, companies, individuals, 700,000 submissions. There was a lot of submissions. Out of the 700,000, they only chose 30, 3-0, to come to parliament and to present to the portfolio committee 
about what they've submitted. Now, they selected us out of the 700,000. We were part of the 30 to go and present in parliament. That that's counts for something. It, it counts for something. It means when they read our submission, they saw there's something different. There's a different spirit to what has been submitted here. And we went to present in parliament and... Uh, I, I don't have time to share part of the prophetic word that has spoken over my life is one day you will be in church ministry and you will work with government. So this is me living the prophetic word that God spoke over my life in parliament, in parliament. When the church of Jesus Christ begin to shine, people ask me, how were you selected out of the 700,000, I mean, you do the math, you know, 30 of the 700,000 is percentage-wise 0.00002. You can go and calculate it. It simply means that it's, it can only be the work of God, the hand of God that we presented in Parliament. And I mean, I call it, I call it the lion's den. We were there with my colleague Gary Stead, who's every nation pastor in Cape Town. We were there and we presented... We didn't hold back. We shared the scripture. This is what the Bible says. Now, fast forward. This year, the land report that's been taken to the president to say, President, this is how we should do the land issue. Someone calls me and she says, they have taken out of our submission and written to the land report verbatim, word for word, what came out of the submission. <laughs> and now I'm here. I'm like, Daryl, I'm still waiting for a call from the president. Simon, we really thank you guys for the work that you've done in putting together this uh, submission that is now in the land report. When the church of Jesus Christ begin to rise, you'll be amazed what God can do. When we begin to rise and we take our place. And what we were doing here is we were just, uh, just taking a risk and saying we cannot be silent as the church of Jesus Christ. When the enemy is trying to divide us, we cannot be silent. We're going to do something about it. And people ask me, how come were you selected? And my answer is this. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. When you begin to rise and shine for Jesus, people will notice. People will notice. So on the same note, it's not all of us who will be able to go to parliament, but all of us, we can shine some light. All of us, wherever we are, we can shine some light. We can burn for Jesus. And it is when we burn for Jesus that people will notice and say, we want your God. We want your God. So all of us, whether you're a teacher, you're a nurse, I like your testimony of your daughter, you know, going to be a teacher, she's going to shine some light just burning for Jesus. So this is uh, another powerful testimony you may recognize one of the faces on that uh, photo there. Vili Cronier, Prof. Can you just wave so people know that you are here in the house? Prof. Vili Cronier there. Uh, so because professors use powerful words, I'm going to read this for you. This is a personal consumer grid innovation that they have come up with at Vitz. It's essentially a home electrical grid solution to easily integrate renewable energy sources along with batteries and appliances for the electrification of households in Africa. It does two things. So people who don't have electricity can have access to electricity because of innovation from the children of God. 
People who don't have electricity will have electricity. But also what I'm more excited about is we can get to a place where we can be off ESCOM's grid. You can delete that from the recording. It, what it means is you can get to a place where you have renewable energy sources at your own house and you don't have to rely on the grid. I'm so excited about this project. So this project is now going for commercialization. One of the guys who's involved with this project on the far left there, my left, your right, Dorian Wrigley, he's an elder at our church, and by the way, he's preaching this morning. He, together with his company, Umbono, they're working with Professor Vili to get this technology to people who may not have electricity. How is that for God? How is that? How is that? So this is, uh, this is a good analogy and story because they are bringing light to the people. And also, they're going to bring the light of Jesus Christ to the people. What an amazing story. So this is to say, let's trust God for that spirit of innovation. As children of God, whether in your business and the workplace, trust God for a spirit of innovation. I visited Prof. Vili at the uh, laboratories at VETS, and they are doing amazing things there. But I've asked him to tone down the language a little bit for people like myself. <laughs> Let me remind you what the Bible says. God's intent, His intent... His ultimate intent is through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. When the church of Jesus Christ rises up and become all that the Lord has called it to be, look what will happen. Amazing things will happen. This is to say the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. So Right now, we know a little bit about God's wisdom, but the manifold wisdom of God will be known through the church. So there is no plan B, we are plan A. The church of Jesus Christ, we are plan A. There is no plan B. So this is another amazing thing that we've read from the scripture that we've read in Isaiah 2. Nations will flow into the house of the Lord. We've just read it. Let me take you there. And all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. So this verse is just emphasis of the house of the Lord rising up. And when the house of God is rising up, nations will flow into it. Now, I need to explain this to you to say that when the church of Jesus Christ is rising up, great things will happen, but also people will flow into the house of the Lord. I like the word flow because nothing will restrict them from coming. They will flow into the house of the Lord. Nations will flow. And it didn't say tribal groups will flow. All the nations will flow. Let me remind you that in the house of God, all the different nationalities must feel at home. In the house of God, all the different nationalities must be received. So going against the spirit of xenophobia that's in our nation, people must feel safe in the church of Jesus Christ. Nations will flow in when the church of Jesus Christ rises up and takes its rightful place. The nations of the world will flow into it. And we will carry the glory of God. Amen. As I begin to close, I don't know if you have the same saying like we have in our church 
When the pastor says it's beginning to close, that's when he starts preaching. <laughs> so you, if you're following with me, the first thing I'm saying is uh, the church of Jesus Christ is rising up. And when it rises up, nations will flow. And now I'm speaking to you as individuals. Here's an invitation from verse 5 of what we've read in Isaiah 2. Oh, house of Jacob, speaking about us, Abraham's seed. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the house of the Lord. We hear a cry from the prophet of God. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the house in the light of the Lord. The same cry he repeats in Isaiah 60 that we know very well. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Light and glory Light and glory arise, shine for the light of God. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Thick darkness shall cover the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come. Nations shall flow. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. It's amazing, amazing. It says, when we arise and shine, the glory of the Lord will come. And behold, behold, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness covers the world. So this is something I would like you to remember out of the sermon today. Darkness is covering the world. Thick darkness is covering peoples. So it's going to take the light of the gospel to kill that darkness, to bring light into darkness. But what is it going to take to destroy thick darkness? It is the glory of God. It is the glory of God. The glory of God will penetrate the thick darkness. I like how we were worshiping and we were talking about fire and glory. It is to understand that we not only share the gospel, but we are glory carriers to destroy the thick darkness that is hovering over our world today. Prophet Isaiah cries out, calling us out, the people of God. He's saying darkness is covering, is covering the earth. We need to pierce through with the light of Jesus Christ. Thick darkness covers the people. We need the glory of God to destroy this thick darkness. And nations shall come to your light. Kings will see there is something about this people. They will run to the brightness of your rising. Remember? That's where we started. That the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to rise up. And the Bible says, kings shall come to the brightness of your rising. They will say, there is something different about you. We need to show forth God's radiant beauty and command respect so that people are attracted to him. I want to read this for you. I didn't put it on the slide. Before I close with two testimonies. Revelation 21, verse 9 to 11. If you have your Bibles, open with me there. I want you to see it in your Bibles. Revelation 21. Now, we started with a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 2. We read Matthew chapter 5, where it speaks about the church of Jesus Christ being a city on the hill. And now, this is us understanding the fulfillment of the prophecy. Revelation 21, verse 9 to 11. 
Then came one of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride. We spoke about the bride who's showing up. The wife of the lamb, that is us, the church. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. Do you see that mountain is appearing again? To a great and high mountain. And showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And having the glory of God. The word glory is coming. Having the glory of God. It's radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. The Bible is saying to us, guys, the prophecy that was spoken during the time of Isaiah, it's meant to be seen now in the latter, latter days. It says the bride is carrying the glory and is rising up on the high mountain. So for us, we are leaving this prophecy. We are living the fulfillment of this prophecy. God is saying the church, the city of God must rise up and become all that God has called us to be. Amen. So let me ask, how many of you here have missed a flight? Maybe you're flying Cape Town, Durban, internationally. Let's be honest now. Church, safe space. Let's see all those who've missed a flight before. Okay, thank you for being honest. You can put your hands down. For those who didn't raise their hands, you must ask people who raise their hands the pain of missing a flight. <laughs> ask them about the pain of missing a flight. I have missed two flights in my entire life so far. And one was international. You know how painful it is to miss an international flight. I'm still convinced today that it was their fault. <laughs> and what happens is when you miss a flight is you miss on the adventure of being on the other side. And as I was processing the pain of missing a flight, it was recently I had a dream about missing a flight. It's even more painful if you have it in a dream. You're like, and you wake up, oh, I didn't miss the flight. <laughs> and when I was processing the pain of missing a flight, and I, the Lord was just showing me that a number of Christians fall in these three different categories. There are Christians who are sitting in a lounge at the airport, hopefully enjoying good coffee. You can tell I'm a true Christian, I drink coffee. <laughs> oh, I see, I see, I see, I see. So some people are like, no, don't go there. Okay. I, I like to be drinking good coffee. So that's one of the reasons I missed the other flight. So that one was my fault. Some Christians are sitting in the lounge, enjoying the presence of God, enjoying the great things that God is doing yet missing the flight. Some Christians are here, you're about to go through the boarding gate to get to the plane, but you are actually so distracted that you can even miss the plane when you are at the boarding gate. And then some Christians, they make it on the flight. And I believe what God is saying to us is uh, he doesn't want us to miss on the adventure that he has for us. And you ask me, what is that adventure? The adventure is knowing him and making him known. The adventure is being that city on the hill, having an intimate relationship with the Father, but not keeping it to yourself, getting on that plane and flying with him to make him known. Wherever God has called you to be, go to make him known. On Friday, I was catching an Uber from, 
from our house going to uh, Rosebank. And uh, along the way, I, I noticed that this guy is just so ready. We just start the conversation, we share. And then I just realized this man is ready. You know, it's not always that in the conversations that you share the gospel that someone will give their lives to the Lord immediately. Are we together? Sometimes I know some people, you just want to get, no, no, it shouldn't be like that. So I realized this guy is ready. And towards the end of our trip, I share the gospel with him and I give him an opportunity to give his life to the Lord. And he agrees. And right there in the car, I lead him to the Lord. The adventure of being with Jesus is you get to share the gospel anywhere and everywhere. And this is the most amazing part. Even though I was tired, something happens. I started bubbling with joy. The tightness was gone. It is when we share the good news with others, we become the city on the hill, and the joy of the Lord begins to flow out of us. Another lady shared this with us, she was at pick and pay, and she noticed the person in front of her was battling to pay her bill. She didn't have enough to pay a bill. And she, she went and says, can I pay for you? And this lady was surprised, paid for her. And then after paying for her, they walked together now outside, and uh, they start a conversation, and they are talking. And she invites her to church. The following Sunday, she comes to church, and we find out that she's actually out of work, and she's trusting God for a job. She's applied to a number of companies, and they haven't come back to her. That Sunday afternoon, after we prayed for her, she gets a call that she must come for the interview the following day, and she got the job. <laughs> Praise God. He still answers prayer. Praise God. He still answers prayer. You know, it's, it's, it's not so much about her getting the job. It's the fact that now she's got a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I'm here to remind you that to live this adventure that God has for us, to be the city on the hill, it's in the small things that we do on a daily basis. It's in the small things of just showing love and kindness to those around you. So let us not think that to be the city on the hill, it's always being about, you know, the big deals that we sign or being in parliament. It's the small day-to-day acts of obedience. Just praying for someone along the road who's sick or praying for someone that, or giving them a prophetic word or a word of knowledge, that's us burning for Jesus Christ. That's us burning for Jesus Christ. And as we burn, light will shine. Let's stand to pray. God is calling us to burn for Him. He's calling us to burn for Him. I like the fact that when we gather as the children of God, when we gather like this together, we're actually just fanning into flame the gifts that are in us. Rob gave us a powerful word before the service when we were praying that he, he was seeing like a boat, a ship, just uh, getting the wind blown on its sails. And I believe that's what we're doing when we gather together. Even today, God is just blowing the winds on your sails. And God is also fanning into flame the gifts that are in you. Father, I pray that today there will be a new hope for our nation, for our country, South Africa. A new whole birth, Father God, to know, Lord God, that you are at work in our nation. Lord, when we look with our natural eyes, it may be discouraging, it may be disappointing, but we remind ourselves that the church of Jesus Christ is like the city on the hill that rises up and brings hope. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us here, may we burn with a passion to make you known. 
May we burn with a passion to know you and make you known. May we burn with a passion to love you and to love people. Father, I pray for each and every person. I know this time of the year we may be tired and it may have been a busy year. It may have been a tough year. But I want us to remember that when we make you known, there's a joy. There's a joy that comes up. There's something that happens on the inside of us. I want to pray for those Christians who may be so relaxed, sitting in their lounge, enjoying life, but forgetting that there's a bigger picture. Lord, I pray for those Christians that may be distracted by life, that they miss out on the adventure of loving God and loving people. Lord, I pray, even for those who may be struggling just with fear, Father God, take away the fear. I really felt God wanted to just deal with fear today. Father, take away the fear in the name of Jesus Christ. Take away fear, fear of the future, fear of tomorrow, fear of making you known. Take away the fear, Lord God. Remove fear in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, everyone that is here that may be struggling with fear, take it away, Lord. Take it away, take it away, take it away, Father. Do only what you can do, Father God. Bring freedom, Lord God, in those places where we have believed the lie of the enemy. I pray this in Jesus' name. Let's give God a big round of praise.